Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well, Matt, fellow adventurers, it's time to do the fifth and by far largest, at least so far, part of the Whispered Madness saga in Bleakest Winter. The largest of the beasts. Its grey pelt splattered with the blood streaming from its fearsome jaws lowers its head and begins to circle you, its dark eyes blazing like fire through the curtain of wind-driven stone. And it begins. And there's the quotes again at the top. Midwinter, late afternoon, a snow-swept forest in the wild heart of Grey Warren. The largest of beasts, its ragged grey pelt spattered with blood, with the blood streaming from out of its fearsome jaws, blows its head and begins to circle you, its dark eyes blazing like fire through the curtain of wind-driven snow. At your side, his bloodied left arm hanging limp, Muldruff curses and directs your attention to the west of the walls, now slowly emerging from the frozen pine. You count nine of the feral creatures. Behind you, at the edge of the road, lies the smouldering remnants of the coach, destroyed by the magical fire of the woman whose abrupt disappearance in the road brought the wagon to an abrupt and fatal halt. You are Muldruff, the personal guard of a merchant killed in the fire attack, are the only survivors. The driver, his guard, and the four passengers that shared the carriage with you are dead, victims of either the initial blast or the inferno. Or the inferno, 
it induced. Where's that hag got to? Mordor growls, waving a circle in the direction of the nine winter moors now moving to encircle. Waving his sword in the direction of moving to encircle you. These beasts are her creation. I'll gut her when I find her! Steady! Morgus waves his plappable and justified. The merchant by those side he long and loyally stood is dead. A charred corpse, like those of the west of the victims of the magical fire attacks. Lie heaped amidst the cloak, coach's smoking remains. Unwilling to let your anger over the cowardly ambush cloud your judgment, you stiffly order him to hold his ground and to remain focused on the more immediate threat. The nine wolves lusting to set upon you with fang and claw. Aye, he grumbles, wincing. I'll give this lot something to remember us by. Your pulse quickens as the pack of winter wolves emerges into the chorus of ghastly house as a link for winter wolves. Winter wolf. These large wolves, some nearly twice the size of their lesser kin, are typically found in colder slash frozen climates, though their domains are vast and varied. In winter or in cold climes, the fur of these wolves is stark white, while at other times it is deep grey. Aggressive and intelligent, winter wolves hunt in packs and like to encircle and assail large prey in unison, tactically timing their attacks to overwhelm a foe's defences. Legend has it that being bitten by a winter wolf and living to tell the tale makes the weak victim especially susceptible to the effects of cold. Winter wolf pelts are renowned for their ability to insulate and are thus prized by thuriers. I mean, I probably don't have the time time now to collect the pelts. Mordorf curses and draws himself into the defensive stance, tenderly favouring his wounded arm as his steely gaze settles on the circling pack. With a grim snarl, the nearest of the massive wolves suddenly bounds towards you with the sinister grace of a predator on the hunt. This is a massive winter wolf. It tears savagely at your flesh with its deadly fangs. The savage body of your enemy tears into your flesh for 15 damage. But otherwise it's not that hard. It is slain. There's far more to go. 24 XP. The wolf topples over, splattering the snowy ground with a profusion of blood. You move to Mordor's side, eager to help him fend off the three wolves now encircling, only to have your path suddenly blocked by another of the savage beasts. It's another massive winter wolf. Tears at your flesh. Those deadly fangs. And is slain. 24xp. Leaping over the carcass of the slain creature, you rush forward and place yourself between Mordroth and a wolf attempting to move up his flank. It's a massive winter wolf. The massive winter wolf savagely tears at your flesh with its deadly fangs. The savage bite of your enemy tears into your flesh for 11 damage. 
Get another bite for 14 damage, nearly down, and down it goes. 24xp. The wolf slumps to the ground at your feet, its legs twitching as it succumbs to, to death. You leap in front of Mordreff, placing yourself directly between the great brave guard and the wolf that's already tasted his flesh. Ordering a stalwart companion to stay back, you defiantly engage the massive predator. It's a massive winter wolf once more. It keeps tearing you. Savage bite for 10 damage. Alright, another savage bite for 13 damage. How unlucky. And it is slain. And about half the damage I took is instantly healed. That's just happens in combat for reasons. Just reasons. <laughs> it's never it's never really been explained. It's just that if you take damage in combat, half of it is restored when you win the combat. It's just something that's been put in. Not sure why. Presumably it's so that the game can have huge can have huge combat congas conga lines without far earlier in the game that's probably one reason the winter wolf staggers back and collapses into a bloodied heap the creature's legs twist for several moments before becoming still instinctively you fall back to join Moldriff, the guard his expression betraying equal parts exhaustion and terror Suddenly cries out in alarm and motions towards the forest. But you've already seen what's caught his eye. You turn and watch as the five remaining wolves hastily retreat into the woods. Alright, that's a good thing. Unless, of course, they're just retreating to get more wolves and or the person who controls them. After only a few moments, no sign of the beasts remain. We've broken them, cries Moldef. I don't know that we best linger. Suddenly, a tall young woman in dark robes emerges from the tree line, her pale face gaunt and her willowy frame draped in, a, draped in a desperate ensemble of wax. The woman leans against a tree and stares at you, her thin lips pursed. It is you, after all, she says, her gaunt but youthful countenance dramatically transforming into a crease-widdled visage marked by hints of disease. I've been seeking you, but I had to be certain. I'm sorry the innocents had to be harmed. You must believe that. I am. Truly, very sorry. Okay, I don't know how blowing up a wagon helps anyone with anything ever. So you recognise her to be the same woman whose mad deadly magical fire destroyed the couch. Destroyed the couch, not couch. There's probably a couch in the couch, but that's not particularly important. Everything about her seems somehow different. Muldruff, his voice trembling, curses at the woman, threatening her with death. You are of no interest to me, she says flatly, waving at her with him with his left hand. Muldriff's face instantly adopts a horrid ashen hue. He briefly gasps at his, at his throat with both hands, 
before summarily slumping into a motionless heap on the snowy ground. Oh, come on, come on. Look, look, I, okay, if you need me for things, you're not helping with getting me to like you and want to do stuff for you. He's not dead, says the woman, taking a single step away from the edge of the wood. No, not yet dead. Whether or not he will die is for you to decide. Perform for me a task of my choosing, and I may allow him to live, though his fate is of no consequence. Suddenly the woman's form shivers and becomes translucent, before rapidly returning to its original corporeal state. Her, her unnerving gaze remains focused on you. Okay, so I've got a few options here. So, I could just attack her, but honestly, I don't... That Well, that's what I want to do, because she's just been horrible. That really wouldn't help anyone. Because I don't think you can... You can't really coerce people to do complicated magic under threat of imminent death. Because, <laughs> you know, they could just screw it up. Even by accident. Oh, I could ask her why she's, she is seeking you. Demand she would revive Maldruff. Or I could just agree to perform the task for her. Okay, firstly, I'm going to demand she revive Maldruff. I don't think it's going to work, but I kind of have to try. As I've just told you, she says, her voice lower than before. If you will perform for me just a small task, I will allow him to live. I am more than content to let him die. His life, whatever it is worth, is entirely in your hand. She is cold. She is really cold. Okay, now, ask her why she is seeking you. Because... No, I mean, there is a chance that she might be asking me to do something so horrible that it might even be worth letting someone die. Well, of course, Kanjin logic means do it anyway, or probably, yeah. Ask her why she is seeking you. Ah, and so, and so you're inquisitive, as I've been told, she says. A voice lowering to almost whisper. I am seeking you for this particular task because I've been told to do. I believe you may know our mutual acquaintance. That acquaintance is Woundskin, as the link that pops up below it reveals. And I dare say you would agree that his will is not to be defied. Not by anyone still capable of reason. Are you still capable of reason? It's a... Valid inquiry, especially after the last three, last three episodes. I'll guess that you are. We'll have to say, not all would grant such a lenient assessment. For a fleeting instant, your thoughts twist into a confusing jumble, only to swiftly sort themselves out and return to turn you to what you believe is a rational state of mind. The ins. The insignificant life of the man lying next to you is in your hands, he says. Perform for me a simple task, and I will allow him to live. I guess I kind of 
have to. I mean, I mean, if it's if it's simple task is burn down a village or something like that, I could um, either refuse or do it in some technically do it, but in a way that doesn't leave loads of corpses. You know, like evacuate the village first. Well, well, let's just let's see what the task is. Even though she is a murderer, she, she there's a fairly decent chance she's just lying her pants off. Yeah, I don't know. Who's gonna have actually lied to me? I don't think he's actually he's ever lied. I mean, he, he's he's done a lot of murder, but. Lying? Hmm. I don't think of anything like that. Hmm. No, I don't think he has. Although, maybe, maybe there's something I forgot. Hmm. Okay, I'll perform your task. The woman smiles and a silvery glow suddenly animates from her face, momentarily blinding you. When the dazzle fades, her countenance appears more youthful, fuller, and seemingly without flaw. Then it is settled. We will go forth from here together, she says. We will make sense out of that which has spawned from uncertainty. And, in do and by doing so, save both you and your companion. Come, there is much that lies ahead of us to which your efforts, or lack thereof, may lend a degree of finality. The woman turns and steps into the forest. As you start after her, your surroundings immediately begin to blur. So, if I'd attacked her, I think you know, I might have to do it twice. And just been really, really stubborn. You'd have got a very bad ending. Well, to, to the adventure. Obviously, this is a persistent browser game, so... With a few exceptions, you can never, you know, end the story forever. Outside of that one incredibly difficult situation to achieve in Fallen London. Tends to be, at the end of it, you will still have your character. The woman turns and steps into the forest. So you start after her. Your surroundings immediately begin to blur. Your surroundings slowly come back into focus, and your startled discovery are no longer in the snowy wilds, but instead in the mist of a tangled bog, at the end of a dark, weedy pool. Just to your left, flanked by a pair of massive winter wolves, is the wag-clad young woman. She smiles as the wolves settle at her feet, their blazing eyes frozen on you. You've nothing to fear from them, she says softly. You never did. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I've got bite marks that would beg to differ on that. Or, or do I? Do I have bite marks? Well, my SP has been lowered, so something hurt me. Even if it was just the idea of those wolves. Before you can inquire about what just happened, she points to the pool. Your eyes immediately follow her finger to the edge of the morass, where you spot an old man making his way up to the water. 
The old man pauses as he reaches the edge of the pool and stares out across its rippling surface. Despite your proximity to him, he seems to take no notice of you. He's about to be devoured, says the woman. He's come here to ponder things that will not again be. Winter's now long gone. Their falls no longer even a memory. May you, you may choose to spare him what will intimately be a gruesome end, but in doing so, may ultimately doom him into a far less desirable fate. I will not counsel you further, for the decision is yours to make, and whatever you choose will be right. Suddenly, the water at the edge centre of the pool begins to violently churn. The old man throws up his hands and staggers back from the water's edge as the massive horned head of a Twosk rises out of the pool. Now, here's, there's a link for Twosk. We ain't seen Twosks in a very long while. So let's read this. Twosk, these powerful serpents, they're where these days, still inhabit remote swamplands where they're rightfully reign at the very top of the food chain Able to stay submerged for hours at a time, the Trosks will erupt from the water to bewilder and ensnare its unsuspecting prey. There are several varieties of these massive serpents, although the majority of them have green scales. Their heads are adorned with a pair of long white horns that the creature will use to attack. These massive reptiles may grow to nearly 50 feet in length. There are few indeed who have encountered a fully grown Trosk and have lived to tell about it. And I'm pretty sure Zoop is one of them. Was, was so. I can rush to the man's aid and definitely do a good deed. But there might be consequences. But there's always consequences. I mean, maybe he's mean. Or I could remain where I am. Hmm. Now, really, now, I'm a hero. And if a hero sees someone attacked by monsters, they defend them. Even if they're murderers. Because then, if they turn out to be murderers, you just report them to the correct authorities. Rush to the man, old man's aid. You rush in front of the old man, just as the Trusks lunges at him. Defiantly holding your ground, you quickly find yourself locked in a grim battle against the fearsome swamp serpent. Alright, here we go. The Trusk lunges at you, its fanged jaws stretched wide. Okay... The savage bite of your enemy tears into your flesh for 32 damage. It's quite a lot. Yeah, of course, I could have avoided this fight by letting the old man die, but then I'd let someone die who I could have saved, and that's not a good thing. Alright, and it is slain. I mean, if this is actually happening... Because in this saga, you're never sure. 
You draw back from the water's edge and retain a defensive stance as the fearsome serpent's dying bellow echoes throughout the swamp. Suddenly, a dazzling flash of white light erupts from the surface of the pool and you discover, much to your bewilderment, that your surroundings have begun to blur. Your surroundings come back into focus as you find that you are no longer in the tangled bog. Instead, you're standing standing at the end of a long torch-lit passage, directly before an iron-banded wooden door. To your left, leaning against the wall, stands the wag-clad woman, still flanked by a pair of winter wolves. You saved the old man, but you're not certain why you did so, are you? Um, because if I didn't, someone would have died. And that's something people don't want to happen. People don't want to die. With a few exceptions. But those exceptions are so few that as a general rule, that you, you, you can make, as a general rule, you can say, if someone is going, to, is going to die and you can stop it, stop it. It's probably, it, it's a rule that... It's a rule that you can apply the overwhelming majority of the time. If you if you obey that rule, you'll be doing the right thing. There are exceptions, but they're usually pretty obvious. Ask the old woman what you're tempted to describe as a taunting tone. I can only say that your decision was not wrong. Some might have viewed his impending end as inevitable, deserved even. However, his survival has set into motion events that will lead to the suffering of a great many others. How can it be helped? Yeah, and it, and if, if I'd let him die, she'd have cap, doubts would have been cast anyway. That's just that's just how it works in this adventure. It's it's weird. You attempt to question the woman about what she's just revealed. Shoni shakes her head in response and points to the door. The passage behind us goes a long way, she says, turning to glance along the torch-lit corridor. But we can pay no mind to it. Nothing of any consequences to be discovered back there. That which matters lies ahead now. Now go through the door. Do not attempt to turn back once you've entered. Then in a low voice, she says something that serves to give you pause. Did you not recognise the wolves? Not the pair with us here now, but the pack that came upon you in the wild. Did you not take note of their eyes? Their voices? Did you not understand their wage? It was more than primal ferocity that led them to assail you as they did. Yeah, because you bloody told them to. Stop not pretending that you didn't make a bloody choice. You made a choice and people died because of it. And that's... Don't... Don't just... Don't... Don't... Own that, Okay. You made choices, people died. They should all have been familiar to you, even those that chose to abandon the attack. 
She pauses as the fleeting look of despair crosses her face. Long have they circled you, just waiting for an opening, she continues. You did not recognise them, because you've never seen them for what they truly are. The danger that has long stalked you. The vile doubt that ever gnaws at your resolve. Friends, accomplices, enemies, they will each be your undoing. And there is likely nothing you can do to prevent it all. You're just you're just speaking vague, foreboding nonsense, aren't you? Look, look, yes, this bad stuff's going to happen. That goes with the profession of being a hero. Bad stuff happens. And you just make sure that by the time you're done, there's less bad stuff around than when you be, than when you started. And as far as you can, if you can do that, then you're doing okay. <laughs> Suddenly, the woman stumbles back as if overcome by weakness. A pair of wolves at her feet me menacing, step menacingly towards you, their teeth barred. No! She sternly commands, pressing her white shoulder into the passage wall for support. Our task is done. What is left is not for us to do. The winter walls, their blazing eyes still fixed on you, slowly retreat to their master's side. You've done what I required of you, she says. Your friend back on the world will live, but I can promise nothing else. Well, that's a win, I guess. Go through the door and do what you feel is necessary, but do not tarry. The Hogawand is at your heels. Its appetite boundless. She falls silent and appears to have difficulty drawing breath. Just when it appears she's recovered enough to speak, the woman and her two walls vanish, leaving you alone in the torchlit passage. As you contemplate your next move, your eyes moving from the door to the seemingly endless passage to behind you, a soft whisper breezes into your thoughts. The whisper fades into a silent roar, oh no, that surges through your mind, assailing your psyche, okay, picking a number, bonus of 60, 20 from war, 20 from mind, 20 from spirit, once again, gotta get 100 or more, or go absolutely doopy lally round the bend, psycho crazy, pick now, 76, failure. Your mind's current lucidity has been compromised. And that is a bad thing. You struggle to quell the silent war, but unable to drive the terrifying bellow from your thoughts. Slowly, the war becomes less pronounced until at last, you're no longer certain you can hear it. Alone in the torchlit passage, you begin to recall some of what the strange woman told you before she abruptly vanished. The passage behind us goes a long way. We can pay no mind to it. Nothing of any consequence is to be discovered back there. That which matters lies ahead. Now go through the door. And do not attempt to turn back once you've entered. With her words paying your mind, you carefully consider your next course of action. 
So, do I do what the murderers told me? And open the door before you, or head back along the torch-lit passage? Head back along. As you, as you turn to head along the torch-lit corridor, a sense of wariness washes over you, making every step a laborious endeavour. After covering only a few yards, you're almost completely spent, gasping, with sweat dripping from your brow. You turn and gaze back, longingly at the iron-banded door. Okay, okay. There's some sort of weird space-time compressy stuff going on here. Yeah. I don't I can't go back. If I go back, I will be spent and die about fifth uh, die about 10 yards from the door that I was supposed to bloody go through. Return to the door and open it. Only with great effort do you manage to reach the door, bathed in sweat and struggling to fill your lungs. You grasp the door's iron hatch and give it a firm tug. The weighty, metal-banded portal silently swings open to reveal an inky darkness beyond. Even the comforting glow of your light seems incapable of penetrating the dense gloom. With your every thought bent on escaping this strange reality, you boldly step through the open door. A howling blast of frigid air sails you as you step through the door, nearly blowing you off your feet. The impenetrable darkness swiftly melts away to reveal a hilly, winter-wavaged forest landscape that extends in all directions for as far as the raging blizzard allows your eyes to see. There is no sign to be had of the hallway through which you just stepped. Of course there isn't. A sudden, snow-laden gust of wind rushes past you, its deadly chill inflicting an involuntary shudder as you endeavour to make sense of your newfound surroundings. A series of gruesome, indistinct images drink through your mind while a silent war rattles your thoughts. Okay, it's the don't-go-mad check. Pick now. 123 success. Your mind's current lucidity has been preserved. You manage to push the silent war from your mind, though you can still sense its lurking presence at the very edge of your thoughts. The blizzard rapidly intensifies, obscuring more of the wild landscape behind a wind-driven curtain of ice and snow. Suddenly, two ports of light appear in the distance, their flickering glows only feebly piercing... The storm's wintry veil, wintry veil. The dull orange lights of the northwest appear slightly stronger than the pale yellow glow to the northeast. During a moment's consideration, you start towards one of the distant lights. Okay, once again, I've flipped. Look, when I've got choices where there's nothing leaning me one way or another. I just used random.org to flip a coin. I got a head, so I'll take the northwest light. You press on through the storm, doing your best to conceal any exposed flesh from the waging blizzard's deadly fury. Right, picking a number. Bonus of 60. 20 from body, 20 from spirit, 20 for woodmanship. Got to get 100 or more. 
or get frostbite or some such. Pick now. 148 success. As you continue towards a distant flicking light, something looms out of the swirling snow ahead. You're taken aback when a fur-clad figure suddenly emerges from the billowing snow. The figure turns to face you and you're startled to find yourself looking looking into the kindly eyes of an elderly woman. The woman's hands, clad in thick fur mittens, rest atop a tall iron lever that extends down into the packed snow at her feet. Which way ought I move it? Left or right? She asks. Voice clear and strong, and her tone white, you can only describe as genuine concern. One way will usher in an age of calamity, the other will bring to pass an epoch of destruction. Okay, that, that honestly, I think what you're supposed to do is not touch the lever at all. In that case, just, just leave it. Leave it there. Just, just leave the lever. Don't pull the lever of two separate dooms. Something about the woman's face is immediately familiar to her. But there's no time to join on a notion. You can feel compelled to promptly answer her query. So I can tell her to move it to the left. Or the right. So it's an age of calamity. Or an epoch of destruction. Now, there's absolutely no way you've absolutely no information about which is right or which is wrong. None at all. No clues. So, I'll just flip a coin. It's tails, so I will take the second option. Tell her to move it to the right. The old woman nods and promptly pushes the tall iron lever to us almost to white. To the white, almost immediately, the snow surrounding the lever begins to melt away, revealing an iron chest hidden beneath the deepening blanket of white. This is as I feared it would be, cries the woman, throwing her hands over her face and sinking to her knees in the snow. A powerful compulsion to open the chest takes hold at the thaw of your thoughts. Okay, once again, I, I can now open the chest or not open it. Now, if I open the chest, something bad could happen. If I don't open the chest, something bad could happen. I don't know. Once again, so, once again, it's going to flip a virtual coin. A heads. I shall open the chest. You move over to the, open the chest. And throw, throw open its lid, only to discover the interior of the iron box appears to be a black, fathomless void. The shadowy, eyeless, indistinct face of a man takes takes form within the void. Join me in the infinite! Issues a stern voice from somewhere, seemingly behind the motionless face. We might consider and reflect upon those you've abandoned. Those those promise you failed to realise. And those who now toil towards upsetting the very outcomes you desire. Come, join me.
everything. You suddenly feel compelled to reach into the void inside the chest. Once again, I have no... Once again, two choices. No evidence. Nothing to suggest what's good or bad. So once again, coin flip time. It's a tails. So I will remain as I am. Then, it is not to be issues the voice from somewhere behind the shadowy face. Of course it was never meant to be. How could it have been? Your doom is known. Your path has been selected. Your story has already been written. All that remains is for you to accept it. The face suddenly vanishes and is immediately replaced by a far more sinister image. The glowering face of Woundskin takes form in the void. The immortal ogre snorts and shakes his head. What? What were you just told is true. Wait, wait. What you were just told is true, he grumbles. Your story is finished. Your time is nearly up. But take heart, because together... We will tear asunder the old restrictive ways. Our path will lead us to the blissful nowhere of the infinite. Your mind's current lucidity has been compromised. Yep, yep, that makes sense. He's a scary dude. With your very next breath, your surroundings begin to blur. A frigid black brass... Blast of wind slashes your face as your surroundings slowly come back into focus. There is no longer any sign of the woman or the iron chest. Though you are to be certain you're still standing in the same spot you were only moments ago. With your bewilderment growing, you once again resume your lonely trek towards the distant flickering light. Now, there's quite a lot of different stuff that can happen depending on the choices that you've, well, I've just had made for me here. So this is, this is probably one of those adventures that can really benefit from being replayed over and over and over and over again just to see absolutely everything. But I'm not going to do that here because most of it will be the same and... Doing just the new bits would be really difficult to keep, really difficult to make sense for anyone who's listening. You stagger on through the storm, doing your best to conceal any exposed flesh from the raging blizzard's deadly fury. Picking a number, bonus of 60, 20 from body, 20 from spirit, 20 from woodmanship, gotta get 100 or more. To keep some warmth within me. Picking. 75 failure. The brutal cold snaps your strength. As it slowly slowly freezes your flesh. Okay now I have no Neville Reserve. I don't know when that happened. It could have been a while back. With, with, with grim determination. You continue towards the distant flickering light. Suddenly. Something looms out of the swirling snow ahead. A 
Do the door orange Gorio endeavoring to, endeavoring to reach suddenly turns out to be the swirling snow ahead. You're startled to discover the flickering light is cast by a small fire. Next to it sits a grey-haired woman clad in a ragged assortment of cloth and furs. I wasn't certain you were coming this way, she says, rising. I would have done something to hasten your journey had I known, but I'm not sure it would have worked. Just thinking about it makes my head swim, but that's the truth. Seems strange, does it not? Let's just say all of it. it's strange. All of this is strange and awful. But I have to say it's not as strange as some of what you've won into since you met up with those wolves. You shouldn't have left the road, you know. You know that? I think you do. Through Though you find it difficult to sort through the jumble of disparate thoughts tumbling through your mind, you manage to pose a semi-coherent question to the grey-haired woman. You ask her what it is you're doing here, and it's all still related to saving Waldorf's life, which you previously told you'd all had already been accomplished. The life of Waldorf, she boosts, a faint smile crossing your lips. How does one go about saving the life of Waldorf? Or perhaps the better question, is Mordruff's life worth saving? Yes. Always. Always worth saving. Because I'm a hero, and that's what heroes do. What about, is Mordruff's life even in danger? Or could we ask... Does Muldruff actually exist? Honestly, considering recent events, those questions, those questions are valid. Anger rises within you as you tremble with the sudden anticipation of frosting the woman and leaving her for dead in the snow. Okay, okay, Zoop. Look, I know you've been having a lot of confusing stuff going on, but this isn't throttling business. You know, no, just just take to do what I do. When you get angry, just just bite, just bite the first part of your pointing finger on your right hand, yeah. or something like that. Not of that, she laughs, waving her a finger at you. I'm to help you make sense out of the chaos with which you've unwisely surround yourself. You careless. Consider it cool and compassionate in every breath, but let us discover the shore to which you will ultimately steer. The image of a jagged tor, crowned by a wing of dead trees, surges to the thaw of your thoughts as a silent war builds in the back of your, your mind. Resist it, hisses the grey-haired woman. You cannot hope to hide from it. You do not need to become its victim. And once again, it's the Will You Go Man test. Bonus of 60, 24, 24 mind, 24 spirit. Got to get 100 or more. Or go mad. Pick now. 81, failure. Your mind's current lucidity has been compromised. Clutching at your temples, you sink to your knees and begin wildly shrieking. Your piercing cries quickly transform into laughter. Continues unabated for nearly an entire minute, leaving you breathless. 
and your rationality in tatters. Slowly, the silent war begins to ebb, its maddening resonance slowly fading to nothing out of which it erupted. There is perhaps less power in you than others have professed to as observed, says the woman, her tone subtly deferential. But there is no shame in stumbling. The hill is not something most can see without losing their hold on reality. You're either to undo the impending calamity or hasten the realisation of its wicked promise. You're wondering which it will be. I'm hoping the undoing, the impending calamity. I'm really, I'm really rooting, rooting for that, the former. Really, I am. I don't, calamities, they're, they're not good to be, they're not good to be in the middle of, really. Suddenly. The grey-haired woman suddenly gasps and staggers back several steps. She fixes you with a panicked late, lay stare before collapsing face first on the snowy ground the massive figure of shadow a massive figure of shadow rises up from the heat remains a black hulking featureless silhouette both familiar and terrifying Pro- the promises you keep are infinitely more dangerous than those you discard rumbles the voice of Ruskin. You know such peril, for you have ceaselessly wrought it. Now, let us begin a telling episode, a trial, a wash with profundity and circumstance, both real and imagined. Wound skin slowly takes form out of the silhouette. The immortal ogre, the blue wounds covering his immense bulk, Glowing brightly, solemnly nods as he steps away from the shadow, which promptly melts into the ground. Do you recall our first meeting? He asks, his voice rolling through you in jolting waves. It was a rare display of simple weakness on my part, induced by something akin to sympathy. But I know you do not view me solely by the light of that single encounter. The shame I feel is mine to bear alone, though it is tempered by the knowledge. The meeting revealed you to be the champion I've so long sought. You have angered, surprised and delighted me since then. Yet, you have yet to truly disappoint me struggling to speak, your mind rapidly pouring over a tangle of disconnected thoughts. He managed to ask the great ogre about the trial he mentioned. The trial begins now, he snarls. He snarls, curling back his lips to reveal a mouth of jagged, blood-stained fangs. Make your choices with the uttermost of care, for numerous and divergent will be the past before you. Suddenly, your surroundings begin to blur. Your surroundings come back into focus, just in time for you to witness Woundskin fading from view. The immortal ogre snorts derisively 
as the last traces of its fearsome bulk vanish into thin air. Almost immediately, your head begins to swim as the scene around you rapidly changes into a time, place and circumstance that confronts you, confronts you with a thorny dilemma. Okay, now this is the next part is called A Trial of Choices. And there's 30 of these choices where, where you get you get a you get a little scenario set up and then you get to make three choices and you get to do it 30 times so it takes quite a while to do so I'm not going to do that right now the trial of choices will be in the next episode and until then farewell fellow adventurers you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours excursions and more in one place there are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from so you can find something for everyone and viator offers free cancellation and 24 7 customer support for worry free travel download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator support for this podcast and the following message come from corient Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.